Here are the top three items on today's Cigar Dave show. Number one, the highly anticipated FDA-sanctioned report on premium cigars is released. I have my take on it. Number two, inflation is off the charts. We saw it coming. And number three, cancel culture goes overboard pertaining to anything Russian. It is out of control. Da! This is the Cigar Dave Podcast with The General. And there's a difference between da and dumb. Da is Russian for yes. Da is whenever you're talking about a member of the uh, enemy of uh, the pleasure police, an enemy of pleasure, or someone that basically is an ultra lib with no brain. In those cases, you use da. But when it comes to the Russian word yes, it is da. Long-ash greetings and salutations, a long-ash snappy salute, Semper Delictatio. Always pleasure, long live the Alpha, make masculinity great again, screw the enemies of pleasure, save America, it is your global five-star general, Alpha Male-in-Chief, front and center, our Ford Theater of Operations in a classified location somewhere on the North American continent. We have moved Command Center Alpha, but no matter where I am, it's like Air Force One. Wherever the, whatever plane the president is on, it's Air Force One. Wherever I am located, that becomes Command Center Alpha, along with Pendragon's Royal Baron, who is at my side, my canine companion and security detail. The Cigar Dave Show is presented by Gurkha, the world's finest cigars, including the new Gurkha Revenant, the five-country fusion of exceptionally aged tobaccos, will immediately jumpstart your senses for a cigar journey that only Gurkha can deliver. Offered in both Corojo and Maduro presentations, fire up a new Gurkha Revenant today. Visit GurkhaCigars.com and by Davidoff of Geneva and their Avo portfolio of cigars, including the Avo Heritage. Crafted through centuries of tradition, Avo Heritage was developed for the cigar connoisseur seeking a fuller-bodied cigar with strength, complexity, and impeccable smoothness. Savor every note of the spice-laden Avo Heritage, available at DavidoffGeneva.com. Well, first up, on Thursday, 11 a.m., the highly anticipated report from the National Academy of Sciences on premium cigars was released. There was a uh, big Zoom conference for anybody that wanted to listen to the group's findings. And before we get into the findings, let me give you a very brief synopsis of how this group came to study premium cigars, how we got to this point. Now, I'm not going to spend a great amount of time. I could spend two hours going through the history of the FDA attempting to regulate cigars going back now at least 10 years. But the key moment was in 2014 when the FDA came up with the deeming rules and regulations for premium cigars. They essentially wanted to treat premium cigars in the same manner as cigarettes. And they wanted to enact various laws, including the creation of substantial equivalence, meaning you couldn't come up with a new blend. It had to be substantially equivalent to anything on the market before, I think it was 1997. Then there were several other things they were looking at, but it was a back and forth lobbying, talking to members of Congress, meeting with the FDA or the FUDA. And then, of course, lawsuits. There's always lawsuits. And this goes back about two years ago. 
in front of uh, Judge Maida, Amit Maida in the D.C. District, where the various cigar groups, the Cigar uh, Rights of America, the International Premium Cigar and Pipe Retailers Association, which is now the PCA, the Premium Cigar Association, the Cigar Association of America, they filed lawsuits stating that premium cigars were different and that premium cigars, the FDA didn't properly go through the rulemaking and research to determine if premium cigars are different than other cigars and other types of tobacco. So it goes back and forth. And ultimately, the judge was going to rule against the FDA. And the FDA said, we will settle by creating a committee. We will find a committee. We'll create a committee to examine premium cigars so we can do more research. They knew they were going to lose in court. And so they ended up contracting with the National Academy of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine, NASM, the National Academy of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine, to create a study on premium cigars. And the study is named Premium Cigars, Patterns of Use, Marketing, and Health Effects. It's, uh, I downloaded it yesterday. I think it was uh, 528 pages. And the group consisted of uh, about... 14 or 18 various enemies of pleasure of court, because you know that if the FDA is paying for the study, you absolutely know that the FDA is going to make sure the results come their way. That's a fact. Whoever pays for the study usually ends up getting the study tilting in their favor. Well, yesterday on the, correction, two days ago, Thursday, on the Zoom conference where they released the report, there were... Five people, Stephen Teutsch, the chair of the committee, adjunct professor, University of the People's Republic of California, Los Angeles, Neil Benowitz, professor emeritus of medicine at the Zuckerberg, ZUCU, as they say, San Francisco General Hospital, University of California, San Francisco, San Francisco. Christine Del Novo, director of the Rutgers Center for Tobacco Studies at Rutgers University. So you can be sure. Of course, she's already got a slanted angle on this, and she's the professor of the Department of Health Behavior, Society, and Policy at the Rutgers School of Pubic Health. And then we have Miranda Jones, the assistant professor epidemiology at the Gloomberg School of Public Health at Johns Hopkins University, and Kimberly Landrum Sterling, Associate Professor, Health Promotion and Behavioral Sciences, School of Public Health, Dallas Campus, University of Texas, Health Sciences Center. Now, just by the titles of the five people that I have just described, that I've just named, you know exactly where this report was going to go. And so they release the report, and then they conduct a Zoom conference, of course, with various uh, slides and PowerPoint presentations, kind of a PowerPoint. I mean, if there's no PowerPoint, forget it. Now, America and the world runs on PowerPoint. If you want to win a war, the Europeans, here's the difference between the Americans and the Europeans. In World War II, if PowerPoint was around, the Europeans would have spent five years creating PowerPoints and five-year plans on how they're going to win the war, and meetings and, and committees with all sorts of PowerPoints on how they're going to meet to create the committee to win the war. Then they're going to create a PowerPoint to discuss how they're going to win a war and strategy and a five-year plan. Americans, we just go win the fucking war. That's the difference. 
everybody over relies on PowerPoint. You can't even talk to anybody today. If you say, hey, listen, what do you think about that? I have a PowerPoint for that. And then they got to give you a 30-minute dissertation on it. But let me go ahead and give you some of these synopses of the, of the synopsis of the PowerPoint. All right? Now, actually, to, give, to be precise, there were 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. There were 14 members of the committee from various universities, colleges, Ohio State, a correction, the. Oh, Sergeant Steve, do you get offended if someone just says Ohio State University and not the Ohio State University? I have a friend of mine that calls it a Ohio State University. What, what are they? A, A-O? A Ohio State University. The letter oh, A. A Ohio, that's no. right. Uh, a, a Ohio State University or N uh, Ohio State University. That is correct. And I know you're a Michigan fan, so you hate Ohio State anyway. But there's, oh, here's somebody from the University of Michigan on there, Rafael Meza, Yale, Johns Hopkins, University of Vermont, that bastion of higher knowledge, University of Minnesota. Uh, here's somebody from Roswell Park Comprehensive Cancer Center in Buffalo. Uh, just several other people also from academia, University of Iowa, uh, University of Arkansas for medical sciences. Didn't even know Arkansas had a medical school. Who knew? I didn't even know Arkansas had color television. Who knew? Just kidding. All right, so the statement of task for this group was to conduct a comprehensive and systematic assessment and review of the scientific literature available on premium cigars. And then describe patterns of use for premium cigars, how they differ among various cigar subtypes, for example, machine-made cigars, uh, uh, flavored cigars, other tobacco products as by different populations, types of tobacco users, age, other demographics. Evaluate the av available evidence of the short and long-term health effects related to use of premium cigars, and then make prioritized recommendations for future federally funded research on premium cigars. All right, so they had five virtual meetings starting in the spring of 2021. So they got input from a broad range of invited stakeholders. So the cigar manufacturers, of course, the enemies of pleasure, government agencies. And I know that the cigar industry provided ample, ample evidence, ample research showing that the usage of premium cigars far different than other tobacco products such as cigarettes and vaping. We know that premium cigars are used by adults. They're not used by children or kids. They're not marketed to kids. All the data was provided to this committee by the industry groups. And then they wanted to evaluate the evidence, come up with conclusion, and then of course obviously have it peer reviewed and then come up with the 528-page report. Because the more pages of bullshit that you can put on paper, the more, the, more, the more words that you can spew on paper, the better it looks. I mean, if you present a research paper to the FDA saying, we have 528 pages that this group has come up with. We've got 24 conclusions and 18 facts and, and six recommendations, all summarized in this 528-page report. People are going to look and say, look at how thick this is. Jesus, this is, this, is a, this is two inches thick, all printed. Believe me, that's how it works in Washington. You ever seen a, a, a spending bill that goes through Congress? It's not three pages, 10 pages. We're going to spend this, this, and this. Oh, no, no. You know, it's like 3,800 pages. It's a pile of steaming bullshit. That's exactly what it is. Whenever a government agency commissions a report, it is a pile of steaming bullshit. 
And the more pages, the more impressive it looks. Because the reality is, how many people in the Libstream media, how many of the various reporters and newsreaders are going to actually decipher through 528 pages? None. Now, I can tell you I'm through about 150 pages. It is not easy keeping my eyes open. It is better than... The, the finest, most potent sleep. It's better than Ambien. I mean, if you took 100 Ambien, it would not have the same effect as reading this report. Patterns of use, marketing, and health effects on premium cigars. Again, 528 pages. So when you present that, people look at, especially bureaucrats, they love that. They say, oh, this is so impressive, amazing. So here are some of the conclusions that they came to. They, they essentially, the committee says they identified no material difference between products typically considered premium cigars and other cigar types in terms of harmful or potentially harmful constituents. But they did say a meaningful difference exists in how the products are typically used or considered premium. For example, they said that premium cigars, premium cigar smokers typically smoked less cigars than other forms of tobacco. Now, I didn't, you didn't, the FDA didn't have to spend a dime to figure that out. All an FDA bureaucrat would have had to do is just sit around and watch people for an hour at a cigar lounge and see the fact that people weren't lighting up one cigar after the other. They should have gone to, uh, I'll tell you what they should have done, is gone to a, a building, gone to any public building where there's a smoking section and see how many people are lighting up cigars, either premium or machine-made mass-market cigars outside in the rain, huddled up to get their uh, to, to smoke. None. So we've known this. This is common sense. They further went on to say that premium cigar patterns of use could change due to many factors, including regulatory changes, marketing practice, consumer awareness, prices. And they say that tobacco products are inherently harmful, but their patterns of use are mutable, including how and by whom they are used, which ultimately determines their health effects. So, what have we always said as cigar connoisseurs, premium cigar connoisseurs? We've always stated, we don't smoke cigars in mass quantities. It's not about quantity. It's about quality. It's about relaxing. It's about pleasure. It's about the aroma. It's about the taste with whom you are sharing the cigar with. It is not about smoking 10 cigars a day. Now, back 50 years ago, my grandfather, Cigar Abe, and the actor George Burns and Milton Berle, they smoked five, six, seven, eight cigars a day. But amazingly, they all lived long lives. My grandfather, 85, Milton Berle, I think was, was uh, I think in his late 90s, George Burns, I think was 101, 102, something along those lines. And when George Burns was asked, when he hit 100, he was asked by the media that uh, gathered around him, what do your doctors think of all the cigars that you've smoked every day and all throughout the 100 years or the 80 years you've been smoking cigars? Burns replied, I don't know. They're all dead. We all know cigars enjoyed in moderation like any product. Food libation is fine for you. I've never once in the 27 years that I've conducted presenter host maneuvers on Smoke This, the predecessor to the Cigar Dave Show and the Cigar Dave Show, I have never once, ever, told a listener, a consumer, anybody, 
to go out and smoke as many cigars a day as you can. What I've always said is cigars are meant to be enjoyed in moderation. I've had callers saying, hey, General, you know, I want to I get off cigarettes, so I, I want to do something healthier and I want to smoke cigars. And my reply to them has always been, no, do not even pick up a cigar for at least a year because all you are doing is substituting one habit and will replace it with another. If you genuinely want to kick cigarettes, get off cigarettes, get off cigarettes. But don't look to cigars to be a substitute. They are not. Wait a year. And when you do pick up a cigar, be sure you do not inhale and you enjoy in moderation. And I've had people call me on the show, callers throughout the year saying, General, you know, I, I love cigars. I'm smoking like 10 a day. And my first reply to him is, you're smoking way too many cigars. Way too many. I said, you shouldn't be smoking more than certainly one a day. And I find that the average person, including me, smokes maybe two, three cigars a week. I don't smoke cigars every day. In fact, I have not had a cigar since last Sunday. Today's Saturday. Almost a week. Why? I've been busy, been out and about, have not had the time to sit and properly enjoy a cigar. And cigars are not addictive. We know that. We don't smoke cigars for nicotine. I'm not shaking if I don't have a cigar. I've got a cigar in front of me, a very unique cigar that I can't wait to get at. But I'm not shaking. I'm not going through withdrawal symptoms. I don't have headaches. People smoke cigars for taste, for the aroma, for the pleasure. So they go through the health effects. And again, they say there is insufficient data to determine if occasional exclusive cigar use increases health risks. That is a lie. There is ample studies, there's well over 20, 30 studies that have been done over the last 40 years showing that smoking cigars in moderation, one to two cigars per day, do not cause any increase in disease. We know this. So they are blatantly lying when they say there's insufficient data. Now, they wanted to look at premium cigars only. So maybe they're not necessarily lying. But we know when you look at premium and mass market cigars, that if you smoke one to two cigars per day or two to three cigars per week, you're fine. Now, I tell everybody, make up your own decisions. And when people say, well, you know, uh, uh, every tobacco can cause cancer, my answer is, do you drink alcohol? And they say, well, of course, but I don't smoke. My answer is, did you know that alcohol in excess is a known carcinogen? Oh, well, it's different. No, it's not different. Having a glass of wine a day, we know, actually has good health benefits. That's been scientifically proven. However, if you go and drink a bottle of wine a day, we know it's not good for your liver. We know that it does increase your, your possibility of oral cancers. We know that. Now, when we go out and enjoy a glass of wine, do we say, just bring the bottle, I'm going to down the bottle? No, most of us may have a, a glass or two. Not every day. Now, I've got a bottle of Dewar's 15 that I'm going to be enjoying today. Not the whole bottle. I'm going to have, uh, I'm going to put some in a snifter, maybe an ounce and a half. But I'm not going to have the whole bottle. I'm not going to have five, six, eight, ten ounces. Moderation. We know this. So there is already data even with mass market cigars, showing that occasional cigar use does not increase health risks. Now, they go on to say that since most premium cigar users smoke infrequently, 
and are less likely to inhale the smoke, which we do not inhale cigar smoke. That is not why we smoke cigars. People that smoke cigars get the taste on their palate, in their mouth, not down their throat, not in their nose, certainly not in their lungs. I would venture to say 99.9% of people that would try to inhale cigar would be on the floor. It is very different than a cigarette. We don't smoke cigars for nicotine. And that's something, a distinction they did not make. But we're not surprised. But they say, because cigar connoisseurs are less likely, premium cigar connoisseurs, are less likely to inhale the smoke, same thing with mass market cigars, the health risks of such users are likely less than who smoke other cigar types. Not buying it. I know plenty of people that smoke mass market cigars. They do not inhale the cigars. And they say this is not because the cigar themselves are inherently less dangerous. It's due solely to how they're smoked and how often. Well, what did I just say? Smoke cigars in moderation, whether it's mass or premium. And it says health risks of daily exclusive cigar smoking are higher than not smoking, but lower than cigarette smoking. Well, I don't know what the risks are because, again, I've got to go through the entire report. They didn't provide a figure. But it could be one one-hundredth of a percent higher than non-smokers. And they'll say, well, there is a higher risk. That's statistically insignificant. And it says health risks in cigar users who have never smoked cigarettes are lower than in those who have smoked cigarettes because they're less likely to inhale. No shit. No kidding. It is amazing. And it says more research is needed on the health effects of premium cigars in priority populations, including youth or young adults, racialized and ethnic populations, pregnancy. How many women do you know are smoking premium cigars while they're knocked up? None. And then it says those with underlying medical conditions, people with occupational exposures to premium cigars, people that work in cigar lounges, cigar stores, etc. Well, we already know that youth, young adults, well, let's change that. When I say young adult, I'm talking about somebody who is, let's say a young adult to me is 18 plus, 18 to say 25 to 28. Those are young adults, even 30. But when we talk about youth, we're talking about underage. Youth, or as they said in my cousin Vinny, youths. Youths are not smoking premium cigars. End of discussion. Women that are pregnant, they, they really need to do a survey on that? They need to spend research money? We know they're not doing that. And by the way, if you do have underlying medical, you got emphysema, or you got lung issues, or asthma, you shouldn't be smoking cigars. Now, they go on and on and saying that premium cigars generate secondhand smoke. More research is needed on exposure. They say that it is biologically plausible that regular cigar smoking can be addictive, including premium cigars. But the magnitude of dependence appears to be less than that of cigarette and smokeless tobacco. Patterns of use likely affect dependence. This is all the same. This is all common sense. They didn't need to spend a year examining this. It is very simple. Let me rephrase what they just said. We, number one, have no clue, have zero clue, whether or not our research, our, pro, our, our, our research that we conducted, this report, will change anything about cigar smokers in terms of health. Because the reality is if they admitted it, they would say, listen, we found that most premium cigar smokers are occasional. They don't inhale. They're not, uh, they're not addicted. There's no, there is nicotine in cigars, 
But most of the nicotine is dissipated. We don't smoke the cigar for the nicotine. We smoke it for the taste. And so therefore, if you do enjoy these cigars in moderation, you will be absolutely fine. Then they talk about marketing. They went and mentioned that premium cigar companies use lifestyle magazines, festivals to promote premium cigars, which may appeal to young people. Well, define young. Is it somebody that's 25, 28? Is it somebody 10? We know the answer to that. And then they talk about the fact that premium cigar companies have online and social media presences. Gee, doesn't everybody today? So they go on and on and on about where people buy these cigars, and they, they end up with, with a lot of just regurgitated common sense that we all know. So they have some recommendations. First recommendation, the FDA, along with other federal agencies, should develop formal categories and definitions for cigars to be used for research to ensure consistency among studies. One of the things they identified is what constitutes a premium cigar. Even though the FDA has a, a definition now, there are various definitions that are used. So they want a standardized definition. The second thing is that once the second recommendation, once the agreed upon definition has been made, that the various government bureaucratic agencies should establish surveillance and evaluation systems to determine use, patterns, product characteristics, industry marketing, etc. Then they said the Health and Human Services should improve measures of premium cigar use in national surveys. Again, the biggest recommendation, define what a premium cigar is. There are six recommendations. Six recommendation, the FDA, NIH, other federal agencies should conduct or fund research to determine the unique type of marketing, advertising, and promotional practices used by companies that manufacture, distribute, and sell premium cigars. And they should identify strategy for tracking these activities, especially those that may appeal to youth. Let me give you an answer to that. There is not one cigar manufacturer today, either premium or mass market, that markets or advertises to youth. None. Now, when you say young adults, to me, that is 21 plus. They're of legal age. What's the problem? If they can legally purchase the product, used to be 18, but now it's 21 because, as we know, we've got a bureaucratic nanny state government that says you can go and give your life for this country, lose your, use your limbs, lose, lose your life, but you cannot have a drink until you're 21, and you cannot smoke a cigar until you're 21. Oh, but by the way, we think you're smart enough to vote at 16. We all know the hypocrisy that goes on. Very simple. The sixth recommendation there is no marketing geared towards kids or young adults. End of discussion. And if they really did their research, they could have gone through every magazine, every radio uh, podcast. They could have gone through all the social media and say, well, are they appealing to anybody that's 10, 12, 14, 16, 17? No. Recommendation nine, the FDA, NIH, other federal agencies should assess consumer knowledge, awareness, and perceptions of premium cigars. They need to spend money assessing the Knowledge, awareness, and perception? Why? Makes absolutely no sense. Zero sense. So they go on and on and on and talking about this nonsense. And here are their concluding observations. They say there's no material difference between cigar products in terms of harmful or potentially harmful constituents. That is lie number one. It's not about whether one type of cigar is healthier than the other. 
We know that cigars are not inhaled, and we know that cigars are enjoyed in moderation. Therefore, they are not addictive like cigarettes. People that smoke cigarettes, they're inhaling one pack, two pack, three packs a day. Different with cigars. Second concluding observation, they said there is a meaningful difference in how premium cigars are used. Frequency of use, depth of inhalation. Let me change that. There is no depth of inhalation. Premium cigar connoisseurs do not inhale. They enjoy cigars in moderation. And the last rec or concluding observation, these patterns of use could change over time. If the patterns of use of premium cigars change, the health effects will change as well. Well, the patterns of use haven't fucking changed for 150 years. Or let's say with premium cigars, I don't know, let's just say 100 years. They haven't changed. People enjoy cigars, mass market and premium in moderation. They don't inhale. Now, as I said to an industry insider yesterday who asked me what I thought of the one-hour presentation, I said it's very simple. I said the FDA essentially commissioned this study, and the study was going to be tipped in their favor, but because the members of this committee couldn't blatantly find evidence showing that really premium cigars are marketed to kids, they are not harmful health-wise if enjoyed in moderation, they had to come up with all these other issues and all these other items. So the synopsis I said was, we couldn't find the negative data we were looking for after a year of extensively looking, so we need to conduct further research to achieve our predetermined endpoint. And that's exactly what the conclusion was. Every, throughout the hour, they kept saying, further research is required. Further research is necessary. We'll need to do additional research. We don't have the research on this, so we need to do further research. They spent a year, and the conclusion was they need to do further research. Translated, they couldn't find any, pardon the pun, smoking gun. So therefore, they need to do further research. Now, the FDA is not bound by this report. They commissioned it, and I'd like to know what they spent on this report. And we can do a Freedom of Information Act, and I'm sure the industry will. How much did the FDA spend on this report? They can accept the findings. They cannot accept it. They are not bound by it. But immediately, as soon as it was done, the FDA came out, issued a press release, and of course stated, up, oh, see, it shows that, yep, there could be harmful effects uh, just to cigarettes. And in fact, the National Academies of uh, Science uh, Engineering uh, the headline of their press release yesterday, premium cigar ingredients as harmful as cigars and cigarettes. Health effects depend on frequency patterns of use. Do you see what they did there? Okay, premium cigar ingredients as harmful as cigars and cigarettes. What they should have said is premium cigars, no determinable health of negative health effects if used in moderation and not inhaled. But they didn't do that. So now what's going to happen is any Libstream media is going to pick this up. Oh, premium cigar, just as harmful as, as cigarettes. That's exactly what they are going to run with. And that's what the FDA did run with. But the cigar associations came out and said, look, enjoyed in moderation. This shows that there is an absolute difference. So everybody's claiming victory. Now the question is, what does the FDA do with this from here? And that's the big unknown. Do I think when they see this, they will come back out and say, we need to do more research? Probably. Now, you have to remember that Mitch Zealot Zeller, number one enemy of 
America, number one enemy of pleasure in America. He uh, oversees the FDA's Tobacco Control Department division. He's leaving. Bye-bye. Should have left ages ago. Mitch Zealot is leaving, and you can be sure that he is going to, before he departs, he's going to set this right on the table of his successor and say, here's what you have to do with it. You can guarantee that. But this is not the end of it. Because any judge, if this went to any court, they would look and say, okay, so what you're saying is premium cigars are not, depends on frequency and patterns of use. And we know just by casual observation that premium cigar users smoke cigars in moderation and they don't inhale and it's not addictive. And common sense would say they're different than cigarettes, so they ought to be regulated different than cigarettes. So if this went to court, I think that's what the judge would say. So the FDA now basically does not... Look, tobacco is tobacco to any enemy of pleasure. To the FDA, to the tobacco... Uh, what is it? Tobacco-free kids, which is not run by kids. They just use the kids in the name. They're professional lobbyists. They're professional bullshitters that get paid big money. But they use kids. Always hide behind the kids moniker. It's for the children. The question is, what will the FDA do with this? 150 out of four or 528 pages through this report, I essentially just summarized what's in it. There is not any, again, pardon the pun, smoking gun that says, oh, the industry is, is advertising and marketing their cigars to kids. The industry is, is, is promoting smoking 30 cigars a day. Nonsense. And if they, all they have to do is walk into a cigar lounge and see the people that are there, they're adults. Enjoying a cocktail, enjoying a cigar. They're not sitting there puffing every 10 seconds and, 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 and relight. They're, they're not smoking a full box of cigars in three hours. It doesn't happen. They're smoking one cigar in three hours. They're smoking one or two cigars per week. That is the reality. And again, the study did not provide the conclusion that these 14 enemies of pleasure desired. So therefore... The number, one the number one conclusion they made, more research is necessary. They can research from now until the 58th century. Let's push it to the 60th century. There is going to be no change in what they will find. Premium cigars, as I have stated and as you well know, are enjoyed by adults in moderation, without inhaling, and it is non-addictive. We know it. They know it. They just couldn't come out and say it because, again, the FDA paid for the study. Now, after all that talk about premium cigars, I am ready for a premium cigar and a premium libation, and we will conduct the International Cigar Litation and Libation Ceremony next. Question I receive most from connoisseurs. General, what is the newest cigar that I should try? Easy answer. Right now, it's the Gurkha Revenant. Very unique addition to the Gurkha portfolio. It comes in two different wrappers, a Corojo or a San Andrean Maduro wrapper. But what is unique about the Gurkha Revenant? It uses essentially the same Cameroon binder 
and some broadleaf in the filler. So you're going to get some unique sweetness. You're going to get some unique spice. The San Andres Maduro wrapper adds more sweetness with a little bit more of a unique complexion, whereas the Corojo, more of a medium-bodied balance smoke. Try one of each. You can't go wrong. The brand-new Gurkha Revenant, available in Corojo and San Andres Maduro wrapper. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. With an unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy, it's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. Sergeant Steve just informed me today is the two-year anniversary of the sports world shutting down because of the Chinese Communist Party Wuhan virus. Two years. And boy, was it ever weird watching hockey in empty arenas? Was it ever weird watching football games, the NFL and college, in front of no fans? It was weird. But we were still able to enjoy it on television, and that's all that counted. And then this year, we're back to normal. But crazy. What a difference two years make. What a difference one year one year makes in terms of inflation. I'll get to that because that is number two on my top three items on today's Cigar Dave Show. But number one in terms of cigar litation is a special cigar that was given to me, oh, about six months ago by Shia Goldberg, the brand activation manager at Davidoff, one of the cigar experts and works on blends and, and, uh, and just spends time creating new cigars amongst the, uh, along with the rest of the Davidoff team. And he gave me a cigar, a Robusto. Nice Colorado-colored wrapper, nice tan wrapper. Beautiful-looking cigar, no band on it. Incredible aroma. I mean, this, if I were to take a guess, this either is a Connecticut Ecuadorian wrapper. Mm, I don't know. Or it could be could be a Habano wrapper. Don't know, but it's got a nice aroma to it, just the wrapper. Nice silkiness, nice sheen, very, very silky. Gave me the cigar. I said, what is it? He said, can't tell you. All I can tell you is it is an experimental blend that we're working on that will be released sometime in 2023. So this isn't going to be available for at least a year. They already started working on this, he told me, uh, well, in early 2021. And I have it in my hand. It's now aged about eight, six, about six months in my humidor. Nice oil, got some nice plume on it, little white dust, which means the oils are releasing to the top. That means it's properly aging. Firm cigar, I would say this is about five and a quarter, I'd say this is about five inches. I would say this is a, a traditional Robusto. I would say five and a quarter by 50. Definitely not a 52 or a 54. Nice looking cigar, nice aroma just of the wrapper. So I have no idea. All I can tell you is we're going to light it together and we'll see how it smokes. I have no idea the complexion. I don't know where it's made. He wouldn't tell me. Wouldn't tell me where it's made. Wouldn't tell me what tobacco's in it. All he said is just smoke it. Enjoy it. And he said, I'll have more for you probably towards the uh, beginning of second quarter 2022. So probably next month I should have some more of these that are aged to try. And again, this is properly aged. So this we will call... The Davidoff Experimental Prototype Blend. So we'll call it the EPB, the D-A-D-E-P-B, the Davidoff Experimental Prototype Blend. 
cigar-altering and highly sharpened leaf-exposing device. Self-sharpening double-edged stainless steel guillotine, ready for action. Maximum BTU flame-throwing and heat-producing apparatus. From the Cigar Dave R&D Laboratories, we have heard much the last two weeks about the Javelin missiles, the Stinger-type missiles, the anti-tank missiles with a very precise guidance system on it. So what do the Cigar Dave R&D Laboratory guys do? What do they come? The guys that wear the pocket protectors, the white lab coats, the pocket protectors, they spent 24-7, seven days in a row, to create the Cigar Dave Javelin. Very cylindrical. Almost looks like a missile. Long missile from where the, the single flame comes out. But listen to that flame. And again, I said to him, does it have a guidance system so that all I have to do is light it and it'll magically point the flame towards the foot of the cigar? And they said, General, we're working on that. But you will have to manually conduct guidance as of now. And that's exactly what I will do. Nice. I tell you, this thing is big. It looks got the army camouflage look to it big flame. It's probably got about a half inch spigot for the flame to come out. Nice. Big tank. Feels solid. Tell you what, we could whack a lot of those those Soviet tanks with this thing. And then we could point it towards Moscow and whack Vladdy Vladdy Poot Poot. Cigar, Cigar pre-lightation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure. Approval to go throttle up in three, two, one perfect cut let me toast the foot of this davidoff epb experimental prototype blend highly technical scientific name and i'm now using the cigar dave r d labs javelin listen to this thing i mean this thing is just massive massive it is an absolute tank killer and as i toast the foot of the cigar i'm still amazed at the weakness, how but just pathetically wussified Beta Biden and Blinken are, and even Austin, the Secretary of Defense, in not allowing the Polish Army or the Polish uh, Air Force, the Polish government, to send their MiGs over to the Ukrainian Army and Air Force. I mean, we're sending over missiles for Christ's sake. But now, oh no, we don't want to get involved. I because Putin said, oh, don't do this. Since when are we afraid of Putin? And I, I find it amazing. What did all the liberals and the Democrats and the libstream media? What do they all say? Oh, President Trump is 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 Vladimir Putin's bitch. He's a secret Russian agent. And you know what the reality was? People believe that bullshit. That's how stupid half of the American population is. Not us. Not alphas, not cigar connoisseurs, because we're educated, we're intelligent, we have common sense. But amazing how stupid people are. And now, who are the ones that are intimidated by Putin? Not Trump. Biden, Blinken, and Austin. The three fucking stooges. Biggest wussified beta pansy asses in the history of American government. It is unbelievable. Oh, no, we can't give them the planes. No, 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 no. Let me tell you, if they gave them the planes, Russia would be finished. By the way, report came out, Putin fired eight of his top generals, and I think two of his top generals were already whacked. Thought he'd be in in two days. Not so fast, my friend, as our good friend Lee Corsa would say. Let me puff and rotate on this Davidoff experimental prototype blend. Firm draw. 
Nice. touch up perfect even amber glow gonna let it puff out one second gonna let it sit just for a few seconds all right now we'll take a few puffs let's see what the first first few tasting notes are hmm. the wrapper smells very pleasant you think this is going to be a mild-bodied cigar right off the bat it is not this is a full flavored stick. Getting some sizzle, some spice, definite notes of tanginess on the back of the palate. Very full-bodied aroma. Mm. Wow. This has got a ton of sharpness to it. Whew. I'm going to let this sit just for a minute while I conduct the libation ceremony. Scotch, bourbon, and beer. Commence thirst-quenching libationary maneuvers. Pulled out a bottle of Dewar's Blended Scotch Whiskey 15. This is double age for extra smoothness. Special reserve blend. Now, this is not a single malt scotch. Single malt scotch comes from one particular run, if you will. One particular uh, malt at one time. This is a blended Scotch whiskey. So they will take various distillations that have been aged various years. Now, if it says age 15, there can be no whiskeys less than 15 in here. So there could be 15, there could be 17, there could be 18, but they blend them from various distillations. So let me open this. It has a nice golden color, almost looking as if, I'll tell you, this almost looks just a little bit Darker. It's a caramel color, a little bit darker than than a uh, deep apple cider, real apple cider, not not the uh, apple juice you buy in the store. All right, let me pour a little bit here. Put the cap back on. Hmm. Wow, lovely notes of butterscotch on the nose. A little honey. A little citrus. Let's say cheers. Take a sip. Hmm. Nice. I don't recall what I paid for this bottle of Dewar's 15, but I don't think it was that much. I think it was in the maybe $45, $48 area for a $750 milliliter bottle. Take another sip here. Mmm. Mmm. Lovely notes of warm fruit. Mmm. Definitely getting that honey note. And, um... Uh, Almost, I would say, a citrusy tang. Very nice. As I take another puff of my Davidoff Experimental Prototype Blend. Mm. Okay, the cigar is definitely tamed down. Now that's about a half inch down, I've let it settle. Mm. Definite, definite change. Not as harsh, not as... Doesn't have the zing. This is more in the medium, medium plus now. Definite notes of creaminess, still some notes of uh, spice, little uh, black pepper, but it's definitely tamed down. So it'll be very interesting to see what this cigar ultimately becomes. I will tell you once I know. But a nice combination between this Davidoff experimental prototype blend and the Dewar's 
Blended Scotch 15, very pleasant indeed. I had the pleasure of knowing the late, great Avo Uvesian, the man behind the Avo lineup of cigars. And Avo had a great saying. He would tell me, savor every note. Well, one cigar that I can tell you, you will savor every puff, savor every note, is the Avo Heritage. It was developed for the cigar connoisseur seeking a fuller-bodied cigar. Strength, complexity, impeccable smoothness, nice notes of spice. If you are looking for a cigar that delivers full-bodied richness, impeccable smoothness, savor every note of the spice-laden Avo heritage. Available at DavidoffGeneva.com. Inflation is absolutely off the charts. I've been telling you that now since last spring when the Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen and the chairman of the Fed, Jerome Powell, came out and said, inflation is just transitory. Have we ever heard of that before? It's transitory. Nobody has ever heard of that term when it comes to inflation. We were starting to see increased inflation way back then, but we never, never saw inflation the way we've seen it just go crazy the last probably six months. I mean, you name it, everything has risen in price. And uh, what was it? On Thursday, it was announced that inflation is up to almost 8%, most highest number in over 40 years. Let's take a look at some of the increases. Overall, consumer price index plus 7.9% since last year. But that is not reality. It's far higher. Gas is up. This is just since the year, 38%. And actually, gas is up even higher than that. I think gas is up over 50% since Biden took office. Electricity, 9%. Meat, poultry, and fish, up 13%. That's a fabricated bullshit number. That's way low. I can tell you. I judge it by what I pay for brisket. I go to Costco. Costco's brisket, the full packer prime brisket, I used to pay... Believe it or not, I used to pay 170, 69 or 179 a pound about a year and a half ago. So I'd buy a 20-pound, 30-pound brisket. It cost me 35, 38, 40 bucks. No problem. Then it went up to 199. And then after Biden came into office, it went to 229. And then 249. And then 279, 299. It's now 449 a pound. That's well in excess of 100%. So I don't buy that meat, poultry, and fish are up only 13%. They're up far higher. Milk, plus 11%. Eggs, 11%. Shoes, 7%. Cigarettes, 7%. Look, cigars have gone up in the last two years. I think 4 or 5% this year, 4 or 5% last year. Coffee, plus 10%. Used cars, plus 41%. Car rentals, plus 25%. Airline fares, 13%. Anybody that thinks inflation is only up 8, 7.9 or 8% since last year, they're delusional. It's far higher. You know by when you go in the store. No matter what would happen, I would go into the supermarket, go to Publix, which is the big supermarket down in Florida. It didn't matter what I bought. Meat, cheese, um, uh, water, you name it. Produce paper goods, napkins, garbage bags, 
my every time I would go, I'd go like maybe you know once a week. It would be like a hundred and maybe a hundred bucks, ninety bucks, eighty-five bucks, a hundred bucks. What is it? in that category? I don't get out of Publix now for less than two hundred bucks, one eighty to two hundred to two hundred and ten, buying the exact same things. Inflation is a hidden tax on Americans. Just saw a statistic. The price of gas, I paid $3.99 a gallon on Sunday. Same exact station, two days later on Tuesday, was $4.40 a gallon. And now it's even higher. I just passed it. I think it's $4.47 a gallon. You're telling me it's gone up 10%, over 10% in two days. We saw this happening a year ago, and I mentioned it. And then we had the Fed and the, uh, chair, the Secretary of the Treasury say, oh, this is just transitory, it's going away. No, they wanted it to go away because the chairman of the Fed, Jerome Powell, was up for renomination. And instead of doing what he should have done a year ago, raise interest rates dramatically, housing has gone through the roof, uh, housing rents, apartment rents through the roof, Mortgage rates are way too low right now, excessively low. We are developing a bubble. And a year ago, he should have recognized it and said we need to raise interest rates immediately. Interest rates, the the discount Fed rate now is 0%. Zero. That is free money. And they printed money left and right. When you print a ton of money and you keep interest rates at zero, what's going to happen? You are going to have... Massive inflation. Loads of money chasing fewer goods. Inflation. Biden wants to blame it on Putin, saying that companies are raising their costs too much. I love it in the State of the Union, he said, companies have to lower their costs and have to pay workers more. That was his answer to solving inflation. What needed to be done was stop printing the money, raise interest rates dramatically, cool this economy down. It's too late now. Now what's going to happen is we've already got decelerating earnings for companies. Why do you think the stock market? It's not just Russia. The stock market peaked last November. I would say mid-October to late to early November is when it peaked. That's when we, we saw the market start to roll over. It wasn't Putin. That was long before Putin. Company corporate earnings were decelerating. Inflation rising massively. What happens in those two cases where you've got massive inflation, you've got a cooling economy, we are going to have what is called stagflation. A stagnant economy, massive inflation, and the only way out of it is to raise interest rates dramatically. And when that happens, the economy goes into recession. The economy is going into recession. Plan on it, take it to the bank. And the Fed has no more bullets Interest rates are zero. They've almost been at zero since 2008. They never raised them past 2%. Instead of raising them to a normal level, what happens? The government gets addicted to low interest rates. Why? They can still print money. They can still go out and spend their asses off. Interest rates are low. Interest rates go up to 6 7%. That's billions a year that the government will have to pay in interest. The federal debt will never be repaid. Not today, not tomorrow, not in 10 years, not in 100 years. Guaranteed, take it to the bank. These are the geniuses that are running the government now and running the Fed. 
it is one giant con game. And you know who benefits? The Wall Street investment firms, the private equity firms. They're going out and buying companies, buying housing developments left and right, and they're getting interest rates almost free, a percent and a half. Why don't you go into your bank and say, look, I'd like to buy this apartment building. Uh, I'd like an interest rate of 1.5%. You'll get laughed out of the bank. They'll loan you the money, 4.5%, maybe 5 The guys on Wall Street, they're paying a percent, 1.5%. Even your mortgages aren't that low. It is a rigged game. And now that the stock market, and they, what, what, so why did the stock, why did the market have these huge run-ups the last few years? Yes, earnings were good, but it's because the Federal Reserve, by keeping interest rates at zero, forced retirees, forced people to go into the stock market to try to get a return on their money. You got nothing on bonds. You get 0% in a, in, a, in a bank. I get a kick out of it. Go into a bank and say, how much would you pay me if I put $100 million in the bank? You know what they'll tell you? Eh, we'll give you two-tenths of a percent. But if you want to loan, borrow $100 million from the bank, they'll charge you 5%. That's another con game. So when you have interest rates low, savers, retirees can't get any return. By keeping their money saved, they go into the stock market. And then what happens? You've got all these companies buying their stock back. So they're causing the prices of stocks to go up. And it goes up, up, up. And the Fed went, even, uh, went in and bought stocks. They buy bonds. They're buying mortgages. They've been still buying mortgages. There's no reason for it. So what happens? We've got a housing market that is blown out of proportion. Prices have gone absolutely through the roof. There is no inventory. Apartments, rents up 50% in a year. It's outrageous. And the Fed just sits there and does nothing. And they're creating this bubble. We're going to see, and if you think that the market is done going down, you better think again. What's the first thing you hear on CNBC or Fox Business? The market's down today, 1.5%. Is this a good time to buy? Every anchor, every talking head, is this a good time to buy? Should we buy? Do you think we should buy? They never say, Listen, the market in October, they never, you didn't hear in October saying the market's rolling over, probably a good time either to buy puts or to lighten up or tighten your stops. Never once did I ever hear that on CNBC or on Fox Business. Why? Because all they want to do is keep telling you to buy, buy, buy. Because who are their advertisers? It's the TD Ameritrades. It's the Charles Schwab's. It's the E-Trade. It's all the stockbrokers. Buy, buy, buy. They never tell you to sell. I had a friend of mine call me this week. And about a year ago, she uh, had to change financial advisors. Her financial advisor retired. So somebody in her office, in, in the same office that uh, she met, she was very keen on this woman, said, yep, she's really great. And I said, all right, well, just tell her. I mean, what's, find out what her strategy is. And so when she sat down with her, she said, look, I protect your money like it's mine. I'm in many of these same stocks. And I said, look, you're in Tesla. I'm telling you, Tesla's getting pricey. And around October, early October, mid-October, I said, we're starting to see some toppiness. The signs are there. You may want to lighten up. You got Google. You got Amazon. You got Tesla. All good companies. All companies making money. But just because a company makes money does not mean that the stock's going to continue going up. And I said, you may want to start lightening the load. So she calls her financial advisor. 
And now she's mostly in mutual funds, but she has, you know, four or five stocks. And the financial advisor says, look, these are great companies. You don't want to sell now. You want to stay in. Very important that you stay in the market. And she called me back and said, no, she said she's going to watch it and she stay. And I said, let me tell you why she's telling you that. Because she gets paid a percentage, and I don't know if it's three quarters of a percent or 1% on invested funds. If your fund, if your money is sitting in cash, she doesn't get paid on that. She gets paid on funds that are invested. So I said, look, I'm going to tell you. She said, just tell me when you think it's going to roll over. And I did. I, to the day, I said, listen, I'm telling you right now, red lights are flashing. All the techs, the XLK, which is the tech sector, that ETF, that is flashing warning signals. I am telling you, either buy puts or go ahead and close out your positions. You made plenty of money on it. You're up 35, 40% in whatever, a year and a half, a year and three quarters. Sell it. Cash is a good position to be in. Calls her financial advisor. No, not a good time. She says, well, what about buying puts? Well, we don't really advise that. Options are very dangerous, which is all bullshit. Again, for somebody that is a accredited financial advisor, buying puts to hedge in a toppy market is a very good strategy. It's an insurance policy. If the, if the puts go to zero, no problem. But it's an insurance policy. She called me back again. I said, look, you do what you want, but I'm telling you if it was my money, this is what I would do. So another week goes by and goes down again. And then she said, look, it's down. What do I do? I said, just wait. Wait about another week because it's going to have a rebound. It's going to come back to the mean. Goes down, comes back up, then it's going to go down again. That's how it, the market works. Never goes straight down. It goes down, up, then may plummet. So I said, I'll tell you when. I called her and said, you call your advisor and tell her, sell today. Called her advisor, same thing. Oh, don't sell. She said, I'm not asking you. I'm telling you. The broker hemmed and hawed. Fine, we'll do it. Guess who had the last laugh? My friend. Why? Because these financial advisors don't necessarily tell you the truth. They want to just keep your money in. And what do they tell you? You can't time the market. you got to stay in forever. You can time the market. It's been done for a long time. You don't have to time it to the exact top or the exact bottom. But you can time the market. The signs were there back in 2020 before the market took a tank with the Wuhan virus. Same thing in 2007 and 2008. All the signs were there. The market just didn't tank one day. The signs were there leading up to it. Inflation is off the charts. We saw it coming, and what is the White House doing now? They're blaming Putin because they know they're going to get their asses kicked come midterm election November 2022, this year. And if they think that the American public is going to fall for blaming this on Putin when inflation's been rising for a year, when gas prices have been going through the roof for well over a year, when Trump left office, it was what? Under two bucks a gallon, I think, or around two bucks. Now, even before Putin invaded, it was what? 330 a gallon, 340? That's up 50 some odd percent. We saw it coming. The White House did nothing. The Fed has done nothing. The only thing that are people that are getting screwed are the working class Americans because this is a hidden tax. The average American is going to pay $2,000 more in fuel at this rate. My friends, that is a humongous tax. And if you think 
the electorate is going to go into the voting booth. And I don't care if they're ultra, ultra, de- well, the ultra libs, they're going to vote no matter what because they're schmucks. They're idiots. They're part of the, the stupid percentage in the country. You can tell them everything. They don't believe it. But the independents, I'm telling you, 90% of the independents are going to break for Republicans. Republicans are going to vote for Republicans. And I'm telling you right now, 30% of the Democrats, they are going to vote Republican. Just saw a, a, a survey today, a poll today. A majority of Hispanics now will vote Republican. The black vote, which has always been a steady eddy for the Democrats, now 30% of blacks say, nope, I'm not voting for the Democrat. That is a humongous shift. Democrats are screwed if they lose the Hispanic vote and they lose a good chunk of the black vote. And that's exactly, and by the way, the independent vote, that is exactly what's going to happen. We are in for stagflation. Buckle your seatbelts. Recession is absolutely around the corner. Question I receive most from connoisseurs. General, what is the newest cigar that I should try? Easy answer. Right now, it's the Gurkha Revenant. Very unique addition to the Gurkha portfolio. It comes in two different wrappers, a Corojo or a San Andrean Maduro wrapper. But what is unique about the Gurkha Revenant? It uses essentially the same Cameroon binder and some broadleaf in the filler. So you're going to get some unique sweetness. You're going to get some unique spice. The San Andres Maduro wrapper adds more sweetness with a little bit more of a unique complexion, whereas the Corojo, more of a medium-bodied balanced smoke. Try one of each. You can't go wrong. The brand-new Gurkha Revenant, available in Corojo and San Andres Maduro wrapper. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. Be sure to subscribe to our brother podcast, Bold Alpha, where we talk the alpha male lifestyle, including cigars, libations, technology, grilling, politics, and more. Search Bold Alpha anywhere you listen to podcasts and hit subscribe. I had the pleasure of knowing the late, great Avo Uvesian, the man behind the Avo lineup of cigars. And Avo had a great saying. He would tell me, savor every note. Well, one cigar that I can tell you, you will savor every puff, savor every note, is the Avo Heritage. It was developed for the cigar connoisseur seeking a fuller-bodied cigar. Strength, complexity, impeccable smoothness, nice notes of spice. If you are looking for a cigar that delivers... Full-bodied richness, impeccable smoothness, savor every note of the spice-laden Avo heritage. Available at DavidoffGeneva.com. I have said cancel culture goes overboard. We've seen it. We saw President Trump get canceled on social media. We saw people who disagreed with the vaccination policies and with the vaccination studies well-regarded physicians, well-regarded scientists, deplatformed, canceled. This has been a trend. If a majority or a certain group deems, the liberals primarily, that what you're saying is not acceptable to us, they cancel you now. You're deplatformed. You have no voice. You are shunned. We're going to fire you. We're going to make you resign your position. We saw it with doctors who wanted to treat the Wuhan virus, and they're now all being vindicated. Every doctor that treated the Wuhan virus with, azithro- with, uh, with hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, zinc, azithromycin, vitamin C, vitamin D3, treated it early on. They're being vindicated now. We're seeing it left and right. But what happened in that two-year period when we had the Wuhan virus? Hospitals 
were canceling physicians' privileges that wanted to treat differently because it didn't go with what the hospital wanted. And remember, there's always a financial incentive. Follow the money. Hospitals received a kicker for every Wuhan virus patient that came in. They received a bonus for every patient put on a ventilator that went into ICU. Always follow the money. Pfizer, Moderna, $75 billion windfall with the vaccine. And now what do we keep hearing? People saying, oh, no, you still got to get it. The kids need to get it. By the way, there was just a, uh, with part of the Freedom of Information Act, the FDA had to release, or has to release a half million pages of documents. They are now finding, with the first, I think, 100,000 pages that have been released, or 50,000 pages, all these groups have been going through it, there are 1,979 known side effects from the vaccines. Almost 2,000 known side effects. But yet, what do we hear? Oh, it's safe, it's safe, it's safe. I didn't take a booster. I wouldn't take another vaccine. Not the Wuhan virus vaccine. I'll take a safe flu vaccine. I took all the other vaccine as a kid. Not anti-vax. But the vaccine initially was intended for high-risk individuals and people that have immunocompromised immune systems. Not for everybody. We had therapeutics that were available. But what happened? A certain group of people said, nope, we don't believe in that, and therefore we're going to deplatform. So we see cancel culture everywhere. What did we see in Canada with the Freedom Convoy? If you participated peacefully, what did Trudeau do and his, and his Soviet-style government? He came out and said, we're enacting an emergency law. We're going to seize your bank account. We're going to publicly uh, humiliate you. We are going to charge you. What did they do? The same damn thing that Putin is doing now to people that are protesting the invasion of Ukraine. There is no difference between what took place in Canada and what's taking place today in Russia. 15 years in the brig, in the big house, if you protest the war, the invasion on Ukraine. And now we're seeing Russia. Everybody, everything Russian is getting canceled. Here's the latest example. Montreal Symphony Orchestra is dropping a Russian piano prodigy from their concerts amid backlash. Young Russian pianist, 20-year-old Alexander Malofiev, who has been very outspoken, by the way, against the invasion of Ukraine, where he said he has family members, posted on social media, very, very vociferous, and said, I am against it. This is wrong. What happened? We have some people that, because he's Russian. Look, not every Russian is a Putin supporter. Not every Russian believes in, in, in invading Ukraine, just like the Chinese people. There are 1.4 billion Chinese people. 1.4 billion. There's, what, a million members of the Communist Party? Do you think the 1.399 billion people in China want to live under communism? Do you think they hate the United States? you think they want to go, go to war with the United States? You know what they want to do? They want to go to work, make a buck, live a nice life, and have peace, just like most everybody in the world. But now we're seeing this backlash. Everything Russian, we're seeing, and this shows you the stupidity of people. I said, I always say, half of America and the world is stupid. We know who the stupid ones are. The libstream media, the libs, the people that say, oh, go drive an EV, an electric vehicle, because it's much cleaner for the, for the environment. And when you ask them, well, how does the electric vehicle get recharged? Well, you plug it in the wall. Okay, where does the power come from? Oh, power plant. 
power, the power company. Okay, how do they generate it? I don't know. Natural gas. That's the largest form of power generation in the country. Then there's nuclear, there's hydro. The problem is we don't have a Niagara Falls in every single community. Be great if we did. I grew up in Buffalo, 10 miles, 12 miles from Niagara Falls. I've seen the power vista. I've seen the the uh, uh, New York power the uh, New York Power Authority power plant in Niagara Falls on both sides in, in New York and Ontario. It is amazing how they harness the power of water. But we don't have hydro available across the country and windmills. That's not going to do it, and neither are solar panels. When was the last time you saw a windmill or a solar panel powering a car? How about an airplane? Have you ever seen windmills on the, on the wings of a, of a jet? Or solar panels on the wings of a jet? Never. These people are stupid. They don't really refuse to accept common sense. Yet they're all hawking, we all got to go to electrified vehicles. Great. China, the number one producer, 90% market share of producing lithium and cobalt, the number one ingredients to make those batteries. So now we'll be even further dependent on China. Wonderful. But we're seeing a massive backlash now. Anything Russian. I just saw yesterday reports restaurants across the country are getting death threats. They're getting, they're getting threats on social media. They're having people boycott them. There's a Russian restaurant in Tampa, just opened, called Babushka's. I don't know who owns it, but I guarantee you they're probably, I'm almost positive. They're not sitting there going, oh, great, let's invade Ukraine. No, these are business owners, people that want to create a restaurant. If Italy, let's just say tomorrow, Italy attacked Greece, and it was the Italian government, it wasn't the Italian people, would we say we're going to threaten every Italian restaurant and boy boycott every Italian restaurant in the country? It's comical. It's nonsense. But that's what we are seeing. This cancel culture has gone crazy. So this Russian pianist, a 20-year-old prodigy, was set to perform with the Montreal Symphony Orchestra this week. He was canceled. Canceled. He was going to be performing three nights earlier this week. The concerts went ahead, but with different performers. This is a quote from Pascal Wimay, spokesperson for the orchestra. The orchestra feels that it would be inappropriate to receive Mr. Malofeve this week. We continue, however, to believe in the importance of maintaining relationships with artists of all nationalities who embrace messages of peace and hope. We look forward to welcoming this exceptional artist when the context allows it. What the hell did this kid, this 20-year-old pianist, this prodigy, what did he say on all his social media? He's got relatives in Ukraine. He's vehemently against the war. He's been outspoken. That is not enough today. Now, if you're all of a sudden Russian, you have a Russian, the Russian tea room, a Russian restaurant, for Christ's sake, Russian dressing. You watch. There is going to be a, I'm telling you, you will see wishbone, you will see craft. They will repackage and rename their Russian dressing to some other cockamamie name. Just because you consume Russian dressing, does that mean you believe in Putin invading Ukraine? Hell no. But this is the absurdity of it all. And I feel badly for this kid. This kid is a, by all accounts, a, a, an accomplished pianist, came to perform didn't come spewing hatred, came saying, look, I'm with you. I, I'm against this. I may be Russian, but I'm against this. 
You think the majority of Russians living in Russia are happy that Putin has got had such a dictatorial command over the Russian people and Russian government today? Absolutely not. They're fed up with it. Don't you think they want legitimate elections? Of course they do. And the Montreal Orchestra should have said to all those people that are, that are saying we should cancel Alexander Molifev, he's been outspoken against the Ukrainian invasion. He has relatives there. We are not going to paint a broad brush and cancel everybody simply because they're Russian. But nobody has the spine anymore. Nobody has backbone anymore. Nobody has the alpha qualities to stand up and say to the media, to patrons, or call out those that are, that are complaining, saying, if you don't like it, don't attend. We'll refund your money. This is a pianist, is Russian, but does not believe in the war. We are not going to paint a broad brush, and we're not going to cancel him because of the actions of a dictator who is now going in and, and murdering innocent uh, women and children, and men too, with brutal tactics. But nobody has balls anymore. Nobody has common sense anymore. Well, we all do. We're alphas, so we all do. But it is absolutely outrageous. One last note. Rick Rodriguez, longtime friend, been with General Cigar for, geez, I've known Rick since he was, uh, I'm trying to think. Rick joined General Cigar. I started the show in July of 95. Rick joined the company the beginning of 2000. So um, I've known Rick now 20, just about 21 years. He announced this week that he is retiring from General Cigar. Rick's a young guy, so he's retiring I have a feeling he's got something else, maybe another project he may want to work on. Don't know for, for fact. I have no clue. But I did speak with Rick uh, briefly. He told me, look, I'm departing. My last day is going to be April 29th. But he said, I want to get together with you. Don't know what I'm going to do. I've got some opportunities. Haven't really decided. But when I, I'm ready to decide, I will let you know. He's a, a, has been serving as the CAO Blender Ambassador Oh, since the acquisition, probably, geez, I want to say maybe 10 years or so ago. Wonderful guy, wonderful gentleman, one of my all-time favorite people in the cigar industry. He's based here in the Cigar City of Tampa. So Rick and I have gotten to be very, very close, very friendly. He is an absolute gentleman. He has been uh, great for the cigar industry. The Cullmans, Edgar Cullman Sr. and Jr., were very instrumental in Rick moving from sales and being a regional sales manager into the blending side. He met with Edgar Coleman Sr. And he said, look, I'd like to learn the blending side. I'd like to learn a different side. And so Edgar Coleman Sr. said, Rick, I want you to study under the company Cigar Masters. And that's exactly what he did. So he studied under the best, Daniel Nunez. Uh, uh, to name one, who for many, many years was the not only the president of General Cigar for a number of years, but oversaw the factory in the Dominican Republic, a magnificent factory. Benji Menendez, uh, well-known in the world of cigars. His family started the uh, Monte Cristo brands and Ache Upman brands, Ernesto Perez Carrillo, now of EPC Cigars, but who founded the La Gloria Cubana brand in the United States. Great cigar master. So he's had the opportunity to work 
as understudies to them pick up their knowledge, and he has blended some absolutely magnificent cigars for CAO, and he's had his hand in other blends for General as well. So Rick Rodriguez announcing his retirement. Many of you that have gone to events across the country may have met Rick, may have seen Rick, very personable. At one time, I think he was doing probably traveling at least 200 days a year, doing well in excess of 125, 150 events a year. New chapter for Rick. Congratulations to him. Long time, 22 years at General Cigar, but I'm sure as one door closes, a new door and a new chapter will open for Rick Rodriguez. Congratulations. We'll have Rick. He's been on the show many times, and we'll, I'm sure we'll have him on again. All right, that is it for this edition of the Cigar Dave Show. Quick reminder, subscribe to the Cigar Dave Show and our brother Bold Alpha podcast. Give us a five-star review. Remember, the enemies of pleasure are lurking. They don't like that I'm truthful. They don't like the fact that I tell it like it is. They don't like the fact that we are unabashed alpha males with giant nads of steel. So screw them and give us a five-star review. Cigar Dave, the general, saying, May our humidor always be full. May our cutter always be sharp. May our ash be extra, extra long. Save America. Screw the enemies of pleasure. Screw Putin. Save not only America, save Ukraine. And remember, the enemies of pleasure can never stop us from enjoying the alpha male good life.